Today on Locked on Blue Jackets, we are talking about a player that could be a perfect fit for the Blue Jackets, but will he fall to the second round? That's what we're going to talk about today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host Jay Foster, here to give you the good, the bad and the ugly about your favourite team and mine, Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube as well as the SiriusXM app. I just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off like I said at the top of the show, I've got Joel Henderson back from Puck Preps, FC Hockey, to talk about Samuel Honzek of the Vancouver Giants, which is uh, yet another really great WHL kid. I've got Joel Henderson of Puck Preps back to talk about Samuel Honzek, another uh, really great WHL kid that, like I said, I think Blue Jackets fans are going to really love. What we have to do is hope that he falls to 34th. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into my conversation with Joel because, again, he knows much more than I do. Uh, I just work here. The onslaught of good WHL prospects just keeps on coming. We're doing another WHL prospect today. We've got Samuel Honzik and uh, I've got Joel Henderson back because no one else knows more about the WHL prospects. Uh, he's been covering them since they were like 15. So I feel <laughs> like he's the perfect guy to talk to. Um Let's talk about Honzek, who I, I'm not going to lie, fully assumed was just a Canadian kid playing in this in the WHL. He's actually, this is his first year in North America. He came over from Slovakia, which I feel like that's pretty unusual to have someone come over before the draft and just play one year in the WHL as a, as a European. Um, it definitely does happen. It is definitely, I don't think we see it as often for players who are as good as Samuel is. But, you know, it was a good position for him. He's somebody that with his size as well, I think the WHL is a good place for him to kind of learn more of a smaller ice game, to endure physicality, to be able to thrive against it. I think it was a good move for for someone with his skill set specifically. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. What what kind of player is Samuel Hunzik? What What are teams getting if they draft him? So right off the bat, you just have to understand he's huge. Uh, he is huge and he has a very long skating stride. Um, so for potential wise, like when you watch him move, um, there's some similarities like with a Nick Bukestad kind of player when he's out there, the way that he moves on the ice. He's just very big, very lanky. Um, and not only that, but he he is very, very smart in his puck protection. And so Samuel Honzik's best ability right now is being able to protect the puck until an outlet is there. So he got a lot of his points for Vancouver by just people simply not being able to take the puck from him. And it wasn't like he was setting up premier plays. He was just continuing them. It was just when they wanted to get the puck from Samuel Hanzik, when he was bursting into the zone and they he felt pressure on the side, he would move to a wider base stance. He would split his stride and he would protect his puck at the reach. And he's a player that has a lot of great vision. And so whether it was a simple back pass, a pass across the zone, a cycle around, a play to the point, um, he kept possession. He settled down the play for his team. 
and he gave them opportunities to establish position in the offensive zone. And that will be an, uh, an, an avenue that can continue up pro ranks. Um, he's going to be a very hard player to get the puck from when he moves to that split stride. Yeah, that was when I was doing like my preliminary uh, research for this episode. A lot of the things I saw were impossible to take the puck from him, uh, which was like a pretty good, like we need him to do something with the puck. But if you yeah. just can't get the puck from him, then at least no one else is doing anything, you know. Um, and also he feels like, um, and this might be just entirely conjecture from me, but he feels like a player that would fit in really well in Columbus. It feels like a player that Yama Kekalainen specifically would love to draft just based on kind of the decisions that he makes in, uh, in trades and free agency over the past couple of years. Um, and so it's, I don't know. I figured I should probably get to know this guy because he might be, he might be coming the blue jackets way. If he, if he falls, he's another guy that like, he's like, we talked about last episode, he's sitting in that tier with um, Braden Yeager and Nate Danielson. Now elite prospect has him listed as a center. However, I understand he's played wing basically all season. Is that is he just listed as a center to try and trick teams into taking him higher in the draft? Or uh, I th- I don't know why people have him specifically listed at center. I guess he could play center. Um, I think he has played center at different times. If I'm mistaken, uh, I've just always seen him as a winger. Uh, he kind of he drifts to the wing. Um, he's a guy that uh, he can play in the middle of the ice as well, especially like when he was playing for the the World Juniors. Um, he was forechecking. He was very much being in the middle of the ice uh, as he was moving up the ice. But uh, I think he's just naturally more a better fit as a, as a big puck possession winger. Yeah. Is it possible he's listed as a center just because he is enormous? I feel like <laughs> people assume that big players are centers. <laughs> Well, but he's also very responsible. He's a very smart player. Um, and like I said, his you know, his skating, uh, he plays at length. He plays positionally very well. He attacks his stick very well. Like if somebody said, we want you to learn how to be a centerman because uh, we, we want you to be a centerman, like I think he could be a centerman. Um, you know, that, that wouldn't surprise me. He would have to work on his agility. He would have to work on some of those things to just continue to adjust quicker. But when you're six foot four with a huge reach and you know how to not take penalties to not just put your stick in bad spots, uh, I think it's possible. He's just he's just a very smart, large human being uh, who doesn't like giving the opposition the puck. I mean, I respect that. It's yeah. uh, it's it's a not not a terrible terrible archetype to uh, to have. Especially, I love it when players are big and don't take penalties because I feel like the Blue Jackets had a handful of guys who were big and also took a lot of penalties last yeah. season. But um, I want to, because we talked about Nate Danielson last episode. If you have the, ch- you, the choice between Honzik and Danielson, who are you drafting? Personally, I think I'm taking, I think I'm taking the swing on Honzik, but it is close. It gets pretty close in my rankings for them. Um, you know, they might, I don't even know if, if I was to make an actual list, they might even be back to back. Um, the reality with Hanzik that I, I think is, is, um, like I talked about this earlier, one of his best strengths is him protecting the puck at reach and settling down. But I think that is potentially his biggest weakness from propelling him forward too, is that when he senses pressure, he goes into puck protection mode. And so what I want him to do as a six foot four winger is to continue to move his feet to through skate that through these dudes, yeah. skate through that pressure, especially as you're moving along the outside. Um, and he's, he was doing that more at the end of the year. You can see that he's still, he's still getting used to it. It's still like, you know, sometimes he takes shots from a distance where he doesn't need to, but it's, it's continuing to keep his feet moving, which will make him 
burst through potential layers uh, as he moves forward too. And so it, it is a, it's a bit of a habitual thing. It's, it's, it's not that he, you know, it's not that he couldn't do this, you know, in the same way that some other guys do, but I just think it's about just kind of breaking the habit and just being a bit more aggressive and keeping the feet moving. And you could see throughout the year that he was beginning to do that, uh, that he was starting to to implement that more into his game, which is, which is scary because he can drag the puck at reach. He's very, very good. Once he gets um, into tight areas too. his hands, um, his hands are very nice. Uh, so he can kind of stick handle and drag pucks around reach and tuck it in back door off a of breakaway kind of things. Uh, so he, if he can implement more of that power game into his game, it's really going to kind of break another layer for him. Yeah. That's really interesting that you talk about kind of his, his, him being a little passive and you want him to kind of exert, I guess his size a little bit more. Um, yeah. I was talking to Hedy Kalakesh of uh, Double Prospects, Dr. NHL Prospects. Uh, we had a really inter- very interesting conversation about Bradley Nadeau being a mm-hmm. small player who plays like he hasn't always been small. Yeah. And obviously I don't know if you know the answer to this, but you've been covering the, the WHL and BC hockey for a while. Um, was he a guy that was like, did he just get his, his, did he just grow a lot? Like, do you, do you get the vibe that you think he was a small player that suddenly got a, a growth spurt and he's kind of still catching up to that or? No, I just think he, he's a European, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I mean that, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's uh, like when you're talking about super aggressive Europeans, it's generally a bit of the exception, I guess. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just like, it's more about puck skills and finesse and, positioning and um settling plays and being fluid on your skating strides you know like it's uh it's more just naturally that and so like sam uh Hansik was one where he was playing uh, i believe the season before he was playing uh you know in a men's league at 16 so he's you know he's always kind of had or in the last number of years he's kind of had that size to be able to kind of propel him forward and in the whl it was just like you know, he wasn't naturally aggressive really either, but people didn't really mess with him either because he's just, he's a big he's a dude. Like there's yeah. right. Like you just, he kind of got left alone a little bit. And so he's a guy that I think as well as, you know, as he moves up layers, moves through the AHL, moves in the NHL, I think he's just going to naturally kind of round out his, his sense of aggression as far as positioning board battles, um, those types of things. But it's just specifically in those senses about um, like I think, you know, when he's backdoor seeing that play where he can really squeeze in and jump down low and like demand that he's going to, you know, get that one timer opportunity or um, or just off the rush where he's got possession where he doesn't immediately have to kind of go to, you know, a safety approach where he can start to take chances and power through those skills and, and get used to having pressure on his, on his shoulder while he continues to move his feet. Um, those, those are just going to be things that he comes over time by just breaking that habit and, uh, but he's also a person at a very baseline that we talked about with other players. I think Samuel Honzik at a baseline, you know, he can certainly play a bottom six role for a team because he's very smart, very puck possession. He's huge. Um, so you, there's there's multiple different ways that you could use a player like that uh, throughout the lineup. So it's 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 not necessarily he's, he's he has a high floor. Um, it's just about in this range of tier of players, who do you think is potentially going to break through that? And uh, and the one thing that just gives me hope about Samuel is it, I'm just starting to see those signs where he's starting to do it. It's still a longer way off. He's still not as comfortable being that guy who's aggressively taking the puck to the net all the time. He's going to have to kind of get used to that a little bit more. But um, but he's starting to break those habits. So he's going to – I think there's more layers to come from him. I don't think he's a player that's going to stagnate. 
In a minute, we're going to talk more about Honzek, but first I've got to tell you all about Bird Dogs because they are the most comfortable shorts you will ever wear. Like, that's not hyperbole. That's not me just saying that because they sponsor the show. Like, they are, I'm angry about how comfortable these shorts are. Um, they are phenomenal. I have been wearing them basically every day since I got them. It's been like 85 degrees here, so definitely shorts weather. You know, you wear them when I'm lying around the house or whether I'm going for a walk or going to the gym or doing literally anything. Bird dogs are perfect. And what's even better is if you go to lockedonnhl.com, uh, excuse me, go to birddogs.com slash lockedonnhl. You're going to get a free Yeti-style bird dogs tumbler with every purchase. Once again, that is birddogs.com slash lockedonnhl for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off, we promise. Do you think he goes back to the WHL next? Oh, can he play in the the AHL? Or is he uh, allowed, allowed I actually don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I I think he can play in the. I, I'm pretty sure he can play in the in the AHL. I was like, oh, he's European. He can play in the AHL. Yeah, now but, I'm like, no, um, he plays but, at the but season if he's AHL, coming back, I, or not? But without checking, I think he's committed to playing again for the Vancouver Giants. Gotcha. So, so he probably but, just returns uh, to I, the. The yeah, but I could yeah. be wrong. But I think maybe the best thing for him is yeah. to take that step. But yeah, so people are listening right now. You can just check on your phones and be like, "Yeah, you idiot." He's yeah, you can yell at the screen. <laughs> so it's uh, put, but put it I, in the comments. But yeah, be nice I think I think he's coming back to Vancouver. I think. Yeah. But also, um, like once again, teams. Sometimes it's just like teams are like, "We'd rather have you here," and then they go, "Okay," and, yeah. <laughs> and that ends up being what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense um i want to uh, this is obviously an episode all about samuel honzek but i thought while while we have joel here um let's check in on i believe the only remaining whl prospect that the blue jackets have Ooh. uh denton who as i recall uh our, our profile last year you said of the three whl defensemen he was your least favorite and then i believe he was the first one drafted so um yeah Oh no, that's a lie. Kevin no. Kuczynski went seventh yeah. overall somehow. Yeah. Um, but let's let's check in with with Matejchuk. Have you been watching him much this season? Have you seen anything to like, like either vindicate your your thoughts that he went too high, or has you, have you kind of reconsidered anything? Or why well, it's you know it's funny how when, when your lens is because it's like pick the pick out of these three. It's like sure he's my least favorite, but he's a very good player. Like, right? Really, no, I know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that you can't. He's a very good player. I mean, he's a point per game defenseman in the WHL, right? I'm sure, we did Kuczynski, Pickering, and <laughs> Matejchuk back to back to yeah. back, and you were like, yeah. "Well, this one's my least favorite of the three, but he's still very, very good." And then obviously he was the one the Blue Jackets picked. But yeah, I, I still think it's I I still think between the three players, it is close long term, uh, specifically because Denton and Owen. Um, Swiftcurrent was also a team that kind of really struggled again this year. And Owen has worked on some of the stuff that he's worked on too, but um, but it's coming along slowly too. Like he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna absolutely explode. Like he's a player that it's it's gonna be, let's see, let's see how good he can get after kind of four years or whatever. Uh Denton changed, I think, a bit of his playing style this year, just with the way that and I think it just came with the way that um that Moose Jaw was naturally flowing their offense. Um, I found when I was watching him quite a bit, he didn't, he wasn't as um, pushing pace and active as he was in his in his years past, he was more considering working on his defensive game, his positioning, those types of things. I think it's um, this was a more settled 
like it, it, I, I, you know, I haven't talked to him personally. I haven't talked with this, but if, but in my mind, if he said like, no, I had these things in the back of my mind that Columbus wanted me to work on and I've been working on them all year. Like that's kind of what the year that I think he had. Um, I think this year was a step in the right direction of being a, a more well-rounded defenseman. Um, I think generally as far as him though, it's, it's, uh, it is just curious to me, like you said, you know, we can't get into it here, but uh, Columbus took a very different approach to the way that they're going to have their defenseman this year. Right. So they, they decided they're in win now. Um, the reason that I, the reason that I said I didn't think Denton would end up a blue jacket is because I said, I'm like, I think he, he might fit a role that's already there. You know, the, the, the beans, the bulk fists, the, those types of players. And even now, you know, I'm not sure about the, the role of some of those players moving forward too in this group. Um, specifically, you know, with bringing in some big names and bringing in the some, Blue some have, bodies. I think six, the, the Blue Jackets have 10 defensemen fighting for six spots right now. And if you assume that Wierenski, Provorov, um, Severson and Gabranson take four of them, then that's like six guys fighting for those two last spots. Which is right. Not, and if, and if you're someone, yeah, if you're someone like Bean or Boakfist or those mm-hmm. kind of guys, like what is your role now on this team? Yeah. Like, are you even, are you running a second power play being a guy at the bottom or is that going to Provorov and, and you know, or weren't or Severson, or you know what I mean? Like, are you kind of so it's it's right now Columbus is a very unique team as far as like it seemed like they were collecting defensemen and now they're kind of like oh they have too many like, and they're like, oh no, we would like we would like other defensemen now. Like they kind of just decided we can't wait for these guys, like we can't wait for Corson Kuhlman's or we can't wait for Denton, or we can't wait for some of these other guys to see if they might fit. We we have to get better, and they decided to pull the trigger on some deals. Um, so I don't know what it's you know what it means for these guys down the line, but I think Denton's projection is still kind of in that same road. He could be, you know, he could potentially fill a role as a as a top four defenseman somewhere down the line. Um, he just has to he he's I would say he's now on the road of just getting better every year. Like there is his, he improved his defensive game. He still has to improve aspects of his defensive game, in my opinion, but he's on the road of like, if he gets better every year, if every year he gets a little bit stronger, he adds a little bit more, you know, dynamics to his, his game. He's somebody that it will just kind of project nicely into, you know, maybe a bottom four defenseman for a team and just slowly move up the, the rungs that way. Yeah. I mean, the good news about, about Matejic specifically is that he's a very young player in his draft class, like he's still 18 now. He doesn't turn 19 until July. So I believe yeah. that means he's still got two years of uh, WHL eligibility. I haven't thought about it, but I would, but I, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't <laughs> a, lot of, about a lot of questions it's about like, this, this WHL business here, but um, my brain is he has like, at least, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. he has, he has definitely at least one. So like they can afford to be patient yeah. with him, I guess, until they're kind of forced to, 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 put him in the AHL or make a decision with well, him in the, in the NHL yeah, or whatever. But No, but the thing is, is too, I think he's a guy that, that would do well with having a couple of years in the AHL anyway. Right. So it's, it's um, like I said, for someone like that, you don't, he, he's a guy that he has, an, he has some natural abilities that will help him to break away. He can, he has a skating stride, which helps him separate from opponents. He has, uh, he does have a heavier shot. So he can kind of burst through those layers and he's, and so he's slowly adding more strength and stuff too, to be able to kind of endure in more situations and be more of a well-rounded pro player. So that's what I mean about just kind of like getting better every year. If he adds a little bit more strength, a little bit more elements to his shot, um, a little bit more defensive detail as far as positioning and just establishing around the net, like all of those things are just going to be good. And how you do that is just by learning how to be a pro in the AHL. 
And, um, you know, cause more is demanded of you. There's higher competition. It's physical every day. And, uh, and so I think for someone like him, it's just, it's a really easy path, but I, I also understand why the way that Columbus has kind of built their roster now that they just go like, can we accelerate our back end? Like, can we find a couple of bodies? And they really did. And they went out and just said like, let's see if this works. Yeah, and, uh, and, and maybe if it doesn't and they decide to trade somebody away or whatever, they do have some guys that, you know, are, are a few years away that can come in and fight for spots too. So if they, but also with that, I mean, as they're kind of moving in, um, you know, defensemen, especially guys that can fill rules, um, they don't lose their value either. So uh, depending on what they want to do, if they want to make any of those guys on the roster or any of these prospects as potential trade chips um, to bring in players. I mean, they, you know, Denton is, Denton is not, you know, crazily lost any sense of value. I think he's just, uh, this year he showed he, he, he matured a little bit. He got a little bit better in some of the areas he needed to, and he's still a very good prospect. Yeah, I remember being really excited watching him and Juracek together at the, I think it was the Prospect tournament that they do every year, and being like, oh, that's going to be, in like five years' time, that's going to be a really fun defense pairing. So we'll uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for, for Matej Shuck, but I'm not going to expect to see him in a, a Blue Jacket jersey anytime soon. No, I don't think so. And I mean, like me coming from the WH as well, like you're talking about, you know, people moving on or whatever, you know, Stanislav Sposal is another guy that puts himself in that mix too. So I there's, there's, Sposal. I think he's going to so, be so good. <laughs> and so that's what I mean, right? Like, and so the Blue Jackets, like, you know, coming from other fan bases, I mean, when I, I just did another podcast the other night, um, talking about the Calgary Flames back end and the prospects that they have. And it's like, like, you know what I mean? And so they have two that could play, but probably won't. Oh, yikes. You know what I mean? And so, like, coming to <laughs> yeah. Columbus and so, being like, yeah, like, it's hey. a really good problem to have of, oh, no, yeah. we have too many good, promising young defensemen, you know? Yeah. But... At this point in time, it's it's like, you know, the, the thing is, is now is, is uh, it's a, like you said, it's a great prospect of, or the great problem of, like, do we have to make room for a good player who's forcing himself into our lineup? Like, what a, what a problem to have. So, In a minute, I'm going to tell you more about uh, Samuel Honzek, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Denton Matejchuk, who is uh, the the sole remaining WHL prospect for Blue Jackets. But uh, first, I'm going to tell you about game time, because uh, I don't know about you, I am always stressed about, well, everything, but uh, I get stressed about buying tickets. I want to get good seats. I don't want to pay a million dollars, and game time is perfect, because uh, they let me get good seats for less than other ticketing apps. They are the place for last-minute deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. they got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get deals on uh, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, so hopefully, I mean, hopefully this ends up being a net positive for for Columbus, right? Like, because nothing these things are sure things, and Columbus is coming out with some rocky years, and really has to kind of put the pieces together as how to find the right glue for this team. But uh, but for someone like Denton, I mean, I, he's probably looking around and going to prospect camp, being like, "There's a lot of bodies here," <laughs> uh, you know. And so, but the reality is, is for someone like him, you just have to focus on getting better every day, and the rest will sort itself out. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like the Blue Jackets have. 
they're in a weird position. And again, this is not an episode about the Blue Jackets blue line because we could do so, I could do so many episodes about that. But <laughs> if it falls through this season and turns out that it doesn't work, it's not like the Blue Jackets have emptied the cupboard entirely to get this decor. You know, they can move yeah. some guys around. They can plug some guys in. So they've got some flexibility with it. So I'm not, I was very kind of doom and gloom when these moves started happening. Like, no, we have so many good young defensemen. I want to see them play. But um, hindsight and uh, reacting less than, you know, more than more than 12 minutes later, I think has been has been good to kind of look and be like, okay, no, this, this isn't the end of the world. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the reality of the reality is, is if you have Gaudreau now, Patrick Laine now, Kent Johnson coming quickly. Yeah. Like, I think, I wonder if it's, is, yeah, I wonder if it's is, the, the, some of the prospects are getting better yeah. It's quicker than they thought. Yep. And the defense, the defensemen are taking it a little longer, but we'll see. And like you said, when you have, um, you know, when you have Alex Texier returning, you've got Kirill Marchenko showing that he can be in an everyday NHLer. Um, it just creates options, and so it's about putting together a team. It is about not putting together a bunch of good players on the ice. It's about trying to find team chemistry, night in, night out efforts. Um, ways to win against different style teams and being able to do that. And so with Columbus, I think um, they knew that this, I think they just kind of recognize that this is a window that they can push. Mm-hmm. And when you push, you see it kind of puts feet in the fire a little bit and you can kind of see, okay, here's where we have to adjust here. So we have to whatever, but but with the window, like with, uh, with line a and Gaudreau and those kind of top end players, I think you have to push, you have to find a way to do it. And let's, it starts let's wrap bringing this in two big defensemen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's 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 finish up with um one one last question. Sure. Knee jerk reaction: Do the Blue Jackets make the playoffs this season? I don't think so. No, nope. <laughs> no, bad. but like no, but it's it's um. I think they'll take a step. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, uh, I have. Here's my fireback question: Who's the who? What's the goaltending tandem for them? Uh, right now, it's Elvis Mozlikins and Neil Tarasov. Right. Okay. Um, if Elvis is good, then this team is going to be fine. If Elvis continues to struggle, I think this team is going to be dicey. Yeah. I, I think, like, as we've talked before and we've talked in years past, uh, and I've just, I've really talked about Columbus needing glue players, mm-hmm. um, players yes. that, like I said, sort out the people. And it, it usually does come from centermen. It comes from guys in the middle of the ice showing that, that, um, that they can control the pace of the game and they can control the game in all situations, being harder matchups, being able to do that. And so I think Columbus has to continue to find those players. I think they, you know, they went from a lot of injuries, losing Wierenski pretty much all year. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things with this team that if it goes right, it could go very right. And so I think that's the excitement, right? Right. Like that's the excitement. Yeah. And so it's, it's uh, the excitement is like, what if, what if it does work? Yeah. What if what if bringing in Severson and Provorov does spark um, quality play from both of them? What if it? What if you do get a, a healthy Wierenski all season long? What if you do get a really good season from Alex Texier and he gels? What if, what if you get a good push from a player like Cole Sillinger? What if you get a really good push from a player like Kent Johnson? So there's a lot of things that could absolutely very much go right for Columbus. Um, you just want a bunch of them to go right. And uh, it's an exciting time, I think, to be a fan. But it's also any time that there is a difference between what could happen and what <laughs> like should happen, it ends up being – it ends up creating just some frustrating nights 
mm-hmm. uh, which is just the beautiful part of sports. You go, we could be so good and we're not good. That's been this team the entire time I've been hosting this podcast is they could be so good and they just <laughs> keep tripping over themselves. It's fine. They're doing their best. Yeah. I believe in them. Um, if people want to catch up with the WHL, they want to catch up with maybe some Denton Matejak talk occasionally or uh, check out the rest of the WHL prospects that will be going in uh, the draft on Wednesday because the draft is in like seven days, six days. I don't know how time works anymore. Uh, where can people find you and uh, your work online? Uh, so on Twitter, I go by Dad Hockey Doe, and that's just always from uh, – it goes back to people being like, oh, basketball, football, and I'm like, yeah, but Dad Hockey Doe. And uh, so that's kind of how the name came uh, from that. And so you can find me on Twitter under that handle. I'm constantly talking about prospects in Western Canada. And uh, and then from there, you can go to FC Hockey, where all of our work there on the top 300 prospects plus in the draft. Um, draft profiles, catching up on prospects as well in their follow-up years. So there's some work there from a lot of great writers. Uh, and then uh, the mass majority of my work is found at puckpreps.com puckpreps.com which is just uh, it is one where it really focuses on NCAA and CHL uh, play so you can if you're very interested in who's coming next year in the year to come and year to come uh, we have draft rankings profiles all sorts of things which come down to the WHL draft people going to the BCHL who are going to be high-end stars guys that are uh, making their way to NCAA and, and everything in between Yes, if you if you want to learn about guys from 2007, if the 2004 guys don't make you feel old enough, Putt Preps <laughs> is the place to go. Well, that's the thing is like, uh, so I'm going into this next year as we're coming in the calendar. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on the next crop of WHL uh, draft eligible players, which is the 2009 group. Oh, I did so it that. is uh, it is quite a, <laughs> it is uh, it is quite a far, further way. But but that being said, it's really oh, nice to kind of follow that, these actually. players, right? So like the 2006s, they're coming into the WHL now. We're starting to see some kind of breakout stars from them. Um, the Berkeley Cattons, the Jordan Gavins, um, you know, some of those guys and guys kind of getting their feet wet. Um, some of them aren't going to be eligible, you know, like um, um, Jordan Gavin and, and Roger McQueen. Some of those guys aren't eligible until next year, like till the year after because they're late birthdays. But, uh, you know, it gives you a sense of uh, those kind of players. And uh, and not only that, you get to see the tra- trajectory, like I said. So when I come on here and I talk to you about someone like Nate Danielson, uh, who's had a multiple years in the WHL already, we can talk about what they were like as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old. And it uh, provides good context. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate you coming to talk about WHL kids. And uh, maybe we'll we'll connect after the draft if the Blue Jackets pick another one. Uh, it's been done before. so They will make a wild swing. They will take a fun player that much, I know. That's, yep. They love to do that. I really want to see them do something very unexpected at three. I just don't think they will. No, I don't. No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to come back with another prospect profile. And uh, we're just going to keep it on rolling all the way through to the draft, which is in like four days, right? By now, Uh, Jesus Christ, it's it's really coming up. So more prospect profiles coming your way. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jay Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the show at underscore uh, lo underscore blue jackets if you have comments questions criticisms you can email me at locked on blue jackets at gmail.com hayden will be back next week i promise he has just he is on vacation this week uh that is why he is not here um he will be back next week and uh thank you for listening for making this your first listen of the day every day locked on blue jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms we are over on youtube we are on sirius xm anywhere you want to listen to locked on blue jackets you can listen to locked on blue jackets that is uh, that is our guarantee so uh check us out subscribe comment like review 
whatever floats your boat. And until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.